excited uh, about this series. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved to chew gum. How many kids or adults love to chew gum? And I still like to chew gum. But here was the issue. The issue for me was simply this, is that I would bring it into church. And how many people know growing up, you did not chew gum in church, right? No bueno, no good, right? And, and I didn't just chew gum. Uh, my mom liked to describe it this way. I chomped gum. And so it wasn't just a polite, it was a. And so um, one time, I'll, I'll never forget this, I was, I was probably uh, 10 or 11, and it was a Sunday evening service, and I had somehow snuck some strawberry bubblicious into my pockets, and, had, and, I, and I was like a, not just a one piece of bubblicious, I needed two, one for each side, who knows what I'm saying. And so I put both pieces of gum in my mouth, and I just started chomping away. Chomp, 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 chomp. My mom, that Sunday night, was a part of the worship team. She was up there singing, and, um, and I was probably talking or writing notes or trying to listen. I, I'm not sure. But, but at some point in that service, my mother caught my eye. I thought the rapture was happening because... Uh, I knew I was in some deep, 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 deep trouble. So anyway, we got home. I got into some trouble for chewing Bubblicious. And so I, I, I changed tactics after that. I, you know, I couldn't chew the big wad of gum. I had to go to a smaller stick gum. And so my, my gum of choice was either Big Red or Double Mints. Who likes Double Mints? It left a weird taste in your mouth after a little while, but it was good at first. Double Mints. And then, but my favorite, my favorite was Juicy Fruit. And uh, that's the name of this series. We didn't name it after the gum. Uh, we, we're gonna, we named it just because of what we're going to be talking about. But here's where we're going to go over the next four weeks or so. Um, is that God wants to produce fruit in our life. He wants our lives to be producing fruit. The fruits of the Spirit. You can read about those uh, in the New Testament. And we'll talk some about those. Um, and, and today I'm going to kind of lay the foundation for this series. But here's what I want to just submit to you this morning is that the fruit that we produce in our life, what God wants to produce in our life through the Holy Spirit should affect and will affect every relationship in our life. Our marriage, our kids, our siblings, our boss, our employees, our grandparents, our neighbors, the person we meet on the road that we don't like the way they're driving, and I am super guilty of that. Every single person that we come in contact with, the fruit that should be produced from our lives should affect those relationships. And ultimately... Our relationship with our Heavenly Father is greatly affected. And so today, we're, this is a really kind of foundational message. In fact, this message was just a standalone message that I had worked on for a while, and I didn't know when I was going to do it. And in prepping for this series, I just felt God say, no, I, I want you to speak this message because really it's at the heart, and if we don't get this thing right, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect it. Speaking of hearts, when we think about our hearts, what, what, what goes into that? When we think about making decisions based off of our hearts, what, what is, where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us with things that we desire. Um, a lot of times we use our heart to make decisions. We use our heart to make choices. Uh, you know, hopefully we're using some logic. Hopefully we're using truth. But logic and truth don't always drive our decisions, do they? Many times our decisions are driven by what's inside of here. Our desire, what we care about, what matters to us, what gets our attention. And it's ultimately our desires that drive our decisions. It's, it's how we feel. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else. Should we guard our minds? Yes. 
Should we guard our steps? Yes. Should we guard what our hands do? Yes. But the Bible says this, to guard our heart above everything else because for it determines the course of your life. So let's jump into Luke chapter 8. Jesus is gathered with his disciples. This is where we're going to pick up the story, Luke 8, starting in verse 4. And this is what it says. One day Jesus told a story. Let me just hit pause. If you, uh, you can follow along on Luke if you have that on your phone. And if you don't have Luke on your phone, I want to encourage you to do it. It's a great way to stay connected here at Hope Church. You can always look at message notes. You can communicate with us staff-wise, prayer needs, whatever the case may be. It's a, it's a great tool. If you need to get it, we'll help you get it. Uh, Luke 8, verse 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plant. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And we're going to jump down to verse 11. And Jesus, his disciples are like, Jesus, tell us, what does this parable mean? What are you, what are you trying to communicate? And he, he, this is what he says, Luke 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take, take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, say that with me, deep roots, deep roots. Since they don't have deep roots, and we're going we're gonna to come back to this Um. Since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. Verse 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So we know what Jesus said. We said he said, listen, the seed is the word of God. It's the word of, of, of it's the Bible. It's the truth. It's what we read. It's what we dig into. It's what we allow to shape our lives, hopefully. But he's saying, listen, not everyone will receive it. Not everyone will keep it. Not everyone will grow with it. Not everyone will take it in and allow it to impact their life. And let me just say this as a pastor I am so, so, so concerned with the condition of your heart. And that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes today, the condition of our heart. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with that. Not because I think you have bad hearts or I have a bad heart, but Jesus, the Bible just said, listen, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. And so there are really kind of four hearts represented in this uh, in this parable that Jesus gave, and I want to just talk through them for the next 15 or 20 minutes together. The first one is this, and, and, and let me just say this before we jump into the hearts. Um, maybe you find yourself today with a heart that's different than it used to be. 
Maybe you find yourself in a place um, where your heart has maybe grown cold, it's gotten hard, it's, it's maybe been distracted. We're, we're going to talk about that, but I, I just want to say this, that God can do a miracle and God can make a difference in our hearts today in this moment as we talk. So the first one is this, it's a hardened heart. Now that said footpath, and this is how they understood a footpath. Many times in those days there were, there were plots of land that were um, owned by different owners. A lot of times there were fields, a lot of times there were farms. And there was this path that people would walk so they would not walk on the road. They would walk on a footpath. And the more people that walked on the path, the harder it became and the more obvious it became. And so when he said footpath, and that really, they, they understood. It was a place that was walked upon. It was a place that was beaten down. It was a place that was dry. It was a place that was hard. It was, a, it was maybe hardened through just the experience of people walking over it time and time and time again. You know what? Every one of us have experienced, all of us in this, in this room, we've had wonderful experiences. We've had difficult experiences. We've had experiences that bring us great joy. We've had experiences that bring us sorrow. We have all had experiences, but... But some have had more traumatic experiences than others. And the, the people that he's talking about with the hard heart, the seed can't ever get root in their life. The, the word of God doesn't take shape. It doesn't grab hold. In fact, looking at that verse again, verse 12, it says, The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their heart and prevent them from believing and being saved. Some people that have hard hearts are people that would say things like this. I can't believe that a loving God would allow dot, 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 dot. I can't believe that God would let this go on, dot, dot, but whatever, whatever that may be. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where my heart's been walked on. Where my heart's been trampled over, where someone's just walked across it. And I have a feeling that probably you have too. All of us have had hearts that have, that have been trampled on and beaten down at some point. And maybe this doesn't ring true for you, but, but it may for some of us. Some of us had a, a, a spouse that's been unfaithful, and we're like, you know, I can, I can never trust them. I can't, I can't go there. Or we've had a friend hurt us because they betrayed a trust. Or someone that we thought had our back. In the good times and the bad times, and when the bad times came, they were nowhere to be seen. A heart got trampled on, and it's so easy when these experiences happen in our life to develop this hard heart towards people, towards God, towards his word. In fact, in Matthew 13, 15, it says this. Um, Jesus said this. He said, and he's quoting a, a, a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. It says, for this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. If you're here today, and you would look at your heart, and you'd just be honest and say, my heart has is, is, is kind of grown hard. It's not, that, it's not that I don't believe in God, it's not, but, but it's, it's just kind of grown hard. Can I encourage you in this way this morning? Everybody in life needs some type of healing. And sometimes we need a physical healing and it's obvious. Many times we need an emotional healing that's there. Many times we need, we need our mind and our heart to be healed. We need what God 
can only do. But everybody in life needs healing. Let God break open the hardness of your heart today. And let today be a new day where your heart just opens up to his word and to the gospel in a new and fresh way. So we can have a hard heart. Secondly, the second heart that Jesus talked about was a shallow heart. It's what I call a shallow heart. Verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face. What's that word? Say it again. They fall away when they face temptation. What does the Bible say about temptation? That you and I will not face any type of temptation that God won't allow us to withstand, that he won't make a way for us to make it through. So the people that, the people that, that have a shallow heart, the issue is, I, I hear your word, God. I receive the gospel message. I receive it with joy, but there are no deep roots. And so temptation comes and they take a step away. They face temptation and they fall away. We want to believe the truth, but we just can't quite get there. And this is where, um, this is where our hearts and our emotions can get in the way. You know, emotion, if, if we make decisions in our life based off of emotion, we will look back many times and go, I wish I wouldn't have chosen that. If the emotions are the only thing driving our decisions. I, I'm sure if we had time today that we could all probably stand up and talk about a decision that we've made in life. Maybe it was a romantic decision. Maybe it was a job decision. Maybe it was a friend decision. But we made this decision based solely off of how we felt. Does God give us feelings? Yes. Has he given us emotions to feel? Absolutely. But, but they can't be the only thing that drives our decisions. Many times people that have a shallow heart or allowed a shallow heart to come into their life have, have fallen prey to just making every decision with, based off of what they desire. If you're married today, you would agree with me when I make this statement. Marriage takes work. Who would raise their hand to that? Even on the best days, marriage takes work. Man, it, 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 it's hard. One of the things I enjoy the most when, when I get to do premarital counseling, and it's not a lot of fun when it's with someone who's been married before because um, they don't have this, this thought, but uh, it's when meeting with a younger couple, and you can tell they're young, and they're in love, and they look at each other, and they have these googly eyes, right? And, and you can just tell, they just they finish each other's sentences, and, and they, they kind of dress, they match. I mean, it, 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 it's fun when I, when I encounter a couple like this in premarital counseling. It, it gets fun until the time that I have to go, you know what? I know sitting here right now, you guys love each other, and, and that is amazing. But you know what? Marriage is going to take a lot of work. And if you want to have a good you want to have a healthy marriage, if you want to have a marriage that makes the distance, guess what? It's going to be even harder. But you can do it, but it's just not easy. And, and so, man, a shallow heart, just, just, just it's about our desires and it's about what we, what we want. And, um, you know, I think for marriages, man, attending church together is a big deal. Praying together is a big deal. And our families, uh, eating meals together without interruptions of the TV or cell phones, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. But there are... There's good news in verse 13, because Jesus said, they receive the message with joy, but they don't have, what's, what are those two words? Do you remember? 
We said it together. Deep roots. You know there's some things that you and I can do to allow our roots of our faith to go a little deeper? There's some things that you and I can do to allow uh, the roots of our heart, the roots of our life to go a little bit deeper. So that when we do face temptation, it's like, no, I'm, I'm not, that's a temptation, but I know what God's word says. And so um, there, there, are, there are things that we can do to help uh, allow our roots and our trust and our faith to go a little bit deeper in our relationship with God. Because everyone would say, sign me up for Jesus saves because that sounds really good. But if that's all that we do, is we just sign up for the salvation, um, when our beliefs are challenged, when our faith is challenged through what's happening in our life or some, what someone says, I mean, we're, we're just going to go the other direction because there are no d- deep roots keeping us there. And Bible reading and daily prayer and uh, spending time with God um, and having people in your life that you're connected to, these are, that, that love Jesus as well, these are all parts of things that allow our roots to grow deep. Uh, I, I've worked for, you already know how old I am, uh, I've worked for like 20, 27 years in the local church as a job. And there are days when I thought I'm getting out of here. Just being honest. There's days I'm like, I'm going to go be a banker. I don't know anything about that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go work at Walmart, whatever. But, but just looking back on, on those 27 years, um, I, I've watched hundreds of people and some faces when I say this come to my mind that have said yes to Jesus, and that's as far as I've ever gone. Something happens in their life. Something happens in their marriage. Something happens in their job. Something happens with their health. They got busy. Some fell away. Some quit. Because the roots were too deep. And I say all that um, just to tell you this. I mean, I, I care so much. And we're going to look, look at another thing here in a minute. I care so much about you having roots that are deep relationship with God. Because your relationship with God and my relationship with God will not survive the trials and the tests and the temptations and the ugliness of life without Him. Number three, shallow heart, there was a hard heart. The third one is this, and I think this is probably the one that we can If we're trying to follow Jesus, um, the one that we can easily fall into the trap of really quickly, and it's it's a crowded, it's a crowded heart. It's what I titled a crowded heart. Luke 8, 14 says this, the seed that fell among the, the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Say that word with me, mature. It's a fun word to say together, mature. Um, the word goes in, we believe, but there's no depth to what we believe. Let me give you just a really clear, basic definition of what maturity is. 
Maturity has little to do with how long you've been following Christ. There's going to be some pushback on that. That's okay. Just because someone's been following Jesus for a long time does not make them mature. We may be mature in age. I'm a, I'm a year more mature. I don't know if I'm going to act more mature, but I'm there. Um, but, but just because we've been following Jesus for a long time does not necessarily mean that we're mature. Can I, can I give us just a working definition of what maturity is according to what the scripture says? Someone who's mature is someone that bears fruit. That fruit is produced in their life. That, that, that their life, are they perfect? Do they have everything together? No. But their life is producing what, what we know as the fruit of the spirit. Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness self-control, those things are being produced, that there's fruit in their life, that they're sharing Jesus with people, that when someone's around them, they're like, man, I I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something different about them. There's spiritual fruit that's thriving and growing, and it's impacting their relationships with people, and it's impacting their relationships with God. And a crowded heart just simply gets distracted. A crowded heart just just gets distracted by some things that are listed here. What Jesus said, he said, "Hey, hey, money can money will test us. Money can distract us. Money's not bad. It's not bad to have money. It's not bad to have things. It's not bad to have nice things. But money will be something that will compete for the heart that Jesus wants to live in like nothing else. Money tests us. Another thing that tests us." Is that he lists here is is pleasures or, or experiences? Is it wrong to have nice things? I just mentioned this. No, they, but they can go to excess. And, and, and in fact, I had someone that was we were talking this week, just having a conversation, and he was like, you know, hey, is it, is it wrong to have? And I I, I forget exactly what he said, and I don't, I don't want to call him out, but he said, is it, is it wrong to have something um, when I'm when it, when I'm trying to follow Jesus? And I know that there's people that. You know, don't have food to eat. Is it wrong to have a boat? Let's use that as an example. And so we had this really good conversation around it, and, and I was like, listen, it's not wrong to have those things, but when those things become the idol in our life, when they become the thing that we live for, and, and man, that's where it gets dangerous. Our heart gets crowded. He also lists worry. Are, are there any people in here that you'd be honest enough to say that your, your natural tendency is to worry about stuff? Put your hand. It's okay. Listen, I'm not. There's not shame in that. It's just how some of us are wired. Do you realize that that? And, and I don't have the statistic right in front of me. It's not in my notes. I didn't plan to say it, but um, that so many of the things that we worry about, we can't control, and so many of the things that we worry about don't happen, and yet we worry. Worry can crowd out a spiritual life with God if we're not careful. We get a crowded heart. Are there any gardeners in here? If you love to garden, maybe you love to you love to deal with plants. You love to deal with um, actual garden that produces vegetables and things like that. Well, I'm not a big gardener, but but my my family growing up, we had a we had a garden. And um, here's one thing I know: I didn't necessarily know how to plant. I didn't know how to do all the stuff that my mom asked me to do to till the soil and all that. I learned. But here's the thing that I know just intuitively, and we forget this is that weeds grow faster than fruit. I mean, have you ever thought about that? 
I mean, fruit takes time to grow, or vegetables take time to grow, or a plant can take time to grow. You put the seed in, and, and, you, and you water it, and you take care of it, and eventually it starts to grow. But weeds, weeds appear out of nowhere. Who knows what I'm talking about? I, they're, they're in the cracks of cement. I didn't think they could grow there. They, they grow faster than fruit. And they'll grow anywhere if you give them a chance. Just leave it alone and let it stay, and it'll grow and grow and grow. Weeds grow faster than fruit. And so what does that mean in our lives, spiritually speaking, and as it relates to our hearts? It means when we see a weed or we see something growing that we know shouldn't be growing in our life, it's causing fruit not to be produced. we got to get in early and take care of it. Sometimes our natural tendency goes, is to go, nah, I see it, but it's not that big of a deal. Then we look two weeks, two months, sometime later, and this weed is overrun with life. And we're like, well, how did that get there? Our lives become crowded. So I want to just ask you this question this morning, and then we're going to look at some good examples uh, in wrapping up. What, what in your life maybe needs to be eliminated or what in your life maybe needs to be renewed? It's not a bad thing. It's not sin. It's not evil. It's not wrong. But, man, it, does it need to be renewed? Does it need to be changed? Is our, is our heart getting crowded? I mean, a crowded heart, according to what Jesus said, will, God's word won't produce the, the harvest that it wants to in our life when our heart is crowded out with other things. Number four, let's look at the good example. Uh, and I gave it, this is kind of hard for me. I, if I'm, I, I wanted to give it a one-word heart, but Jesus gave it two separate things, and we're going to look at them both in a minute. And so I, I put two together, and, and I, I didn't love it, but it's the way it worked. An honest and a good heart. An honest and a good heart. Verse 15 of Luke 8, it says, The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest. We're going to talk about what that means. It doesn't just mean honest. There's some other words that, excuse me, are connected to it. Good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Jesus said it takes two things. An honest heart. Some versions translate this as a word that's there, ready. A ready heart. Kevin, what does that mean? That means when we go to have devotions, when we go to spend time with God, we're ready to receive what he has for us. That means when we walk into a church service like this this morning, our hearts are ready. Our hearts are ready to worship. Our hearts are ready to receive the word. Our hearts are are ready to connect with people. Our hearts are ready to hear from God. A couple other words, a couple other ways that that word is translated. A beautiful heart, one that has been prepared. Um, That kind of that word actually in the Greek kind of speaks to what they would do in preparation for bodies to be prepared after for burial, after death. So something that's been prepared, it's been taken care of, it's been, um, it's, it's, it's ready to go. An honest heart, a ready heart, ready to hear, ready to listen, and then ready to act. So sometimes we're just ready to hear, right? Ready to hear. We have to be ready to hear and then really listen and then act on what God's word says to us, what his Holy Spirit is saying to us. So there's an honest, and, and Jesus also said good-hearted people. I mean, who are good-hearted people? I, I, have some, I have some neighbors that we've lived by. 
over the course of our, our time that I would think, man, they're, they're good-hearted people. Um, this, is, this, is what, this is what good-hearted means here in this context with the, with the original language. It means complying, someone who, whose heart is complying to moral excellence, but it's even bigger than that because it's not about being morally right. It's not about just being a, a moral person because there are people that are far from God that live with a, a sense of morality, a sense of excellence. But, but it's aligning, and this is where it gets really hard. We'll just honest for a minute. It's, it's aligning our heart and it's aligning our life with what God wants. Have you ever noticed sometimes that what I want and what God wants are two different things? Have you ever noticed that, that what God wants, his will and my will sometimes clash? My will sometimes gets in the way of his will. What I want sometimes gets in the way of what he wants. And so good-hearted is, is someone whose heart is, is not only trying to live in a way that, that, that produces the right things, but it's someone who has aligned their life with what God wants. This is how we should live, and this is how we should respond, and this is how we should treat people, and this is the way that we should live our lives. The heart... That, it, that is open for God's word, the, the heart that's open for the seed to hit the soil, has the potential to grow amazing relationships with people and an amazing relationship with God. And you know God's desire for you is to have an amazing relationship with him, but also some amazing relationships with the people that are, that are following Jesus as well. Some, some relationships that, man, when something's going on in your life, you know you can depend on them. You know you can count on them. You know that they will be there for you. There's other things to say, but I want to I, I want to get ready to wrap up. So, Danny, would you go ahead and just make your way up here to Ruth? Thank you. Preparing this message, I, I felt like this 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 statement, this principle I'm about to share, is is for someone that's here today, maybe the Lord is speaking to you. That you're wrestling with this. And I, I want you to hear this truth. Um, and not because I said it, but because of what God's word says. Um, when God gives you a promise from his word, there's sometimes you just have to hold on to it. Because life, relationships, circumstances, and health, and our enemy want to rip it out. But when God makes you a promise, when you open up his word, whether it's in Genesis or Revelation, when you open up, I I went to grab my Bible and I bent my head. When, When you open up his word, and there's a promise in there that speaks to you, would you position your heart to hold on to it with just both hands and just not let go? God, you promise. I don't. It doesn't look like it's happening. I don't see a way that it's going to happen. I don't see the circumstances that are going to let it happen in my life right now. But God, it's a promise from you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to grab with both hands and I'm going to not let go until you fulfill your promise. There's a lot about God that I don't know. But I know this. God is who he says he is, and he'll do exactly what he said he would do. And 
it may not look exactly like what we think or what we want or when it's going to happen, but he will do it. His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, the word tells us. When he gives you a promise, would you just hold on to it and be reminded of what I said a few minutes ago about weeds and fruit. Seeds do not grow overnight. And sometimes we do the most damage in our life because we get frustrated. We think, well, why am I not further along in my relationship with Jesus? You know what? Maybe there's some things that we need to remove or, or, or eliminate or there's some people that maybe have influence on us that aren't a good thing. But you know what? Seeds, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Sometimes when that seed goes into the soil, but what does God's word say? He says that a rich harvest will be produced. Who would like a rich harvest of good fruit in their life to be produced in the coming days? I, I want that. I want that for you. may not want it for your life. I want it for your life. But it doesn't matter how much I want it. you got to have that desire. God, God wants to produce a rich harvest in our lives of fruit that is pleasing and good to him. But the soil of our hearts has got to be ready to receive it. If our hearts have grown hard, if, if they become shallow, if we've allowed them to be crowded, Let me read two more passages of scripture to you before we pray. Isaiah chapter 55, going back into the Old Testament, verses 10 and 11. L listen, to the, listen to this promise. It says, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. We're having rain here for a little while. It doesn't look like, sound like it's raining. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It, and so he did, listen. Let's hit pause. We know that, right? We know that from watching farmers, from watching all, all the production of things. We, we know that that's how it works. Rain causes the grain to grow, and it produces a harvest, it produces seed for the farmer and the bread for the hungry. And then he says this, it is the same with my word. So his, his word, the Bible, wants to produce the same thing in our life. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit, it will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So when God's word is not producing anything in my life, it's not the word's fault. It's not the Bible's fault. It's the condition of the soil of my life. It's the condition of my heart. Maybe I've become callous. Maybe I've become distracted. Maybe, maybe I haven't. Maybe the roots are not very deep right now, and I, I'm just missing it. But he said, "It will always, and I love this. It will always accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it." Let me take you to one more passage. We're going to pray. In James chapter one, this is what he says, verse twenty-one. Um, so get rid. Maybe, and this ha sometimes has to do with why we don't see God's seed producing things in our life. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the work God has planted in your heart. Why? Because it has the power to save. And that word save there is not, is not just the word that we think of when we think of save. We think of salvation. God saves us. Jesus 
saves us. We can't do it on our own. It's only through what he did on the cross for us. But that word save actually there means it has the power to heal. It has the power to deliver. It has the power to make whole. Are there some things in your life today that need to be made whole? It has the power to save your souls. And then here, here's the practical advice for us. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Would you close your eyes with me? I want fruit to be produced in my life. I want my life to be a, a life that produces the fruit of the Spirit. I want it to be obvious to the people I come in contact with, the people that I'm around. And I want the very same thing for you. I want us all to look around this room, whether we're 15 or 75, and be able to look at each other and go, you know what? That is a mature Christian right there, not because of the age that's on their birth certificate, but because their life is producing fruit. It is fruit-bearing, and according to what God's Word says, that means maturity is a part of who they are as a follower of Jesus. But I know that sometimes fruit isn't produced in our life because we have things that are stopping us. So I, I just want us to pray together this morning. And, and, and maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I, I, I so desperately want, want to have a heart that's good, that's good, that's ready, that's ready to, that is prepared to receive God's word when I open it up or when I come to church or when I listen to a podcast or when I, whenever I encounter God's word on my phone, in my, in my lap, with my Bible, wherever it may be. I want it to do something in my life and I want to be ready. that have said yes to following you, that you would be our Lord and Savior, I, I pray that you will, um, you will help us. God, you want our lives to be fruit producing. You want there to be, you desire there to be juicy fruit produced from our lives in our relationships with each other, the people closest to us, the people that we love the most, the people that, that, we, that, that we like. You want our fruit to be reduced in our relationships and ultimately in our relationship with you. God, I pray that you would help our hearts be ready to receive from you, to ready with the ground of our hearts, the soil of our hearts would, would be so ready. We're not perfect people. We don't have everything figured out. We don't have it all together. But we're ready to receive from you because we want to be more like you. We want to draw closer to you. So for my, any of my friends here today that have said yes to you, but maybe they become distracted. Their hearts become crowded. Maybe their hearts may be shallow right now just because they've been distracted and they've allowed other things and priorities and things to get in the way. Or, or maybe, maybe because of circumstances and things that we've faced in life, our heart is just hard right now. God, you are the one that brings healing. You are the one that can, can do the work in our heart and our lives. So I just ask you to do that in this moment for my friends that are here that are desiring.
individuals be individuals that produce fruit because your Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Would we be a church that produces fruit, good fruit that pleases you, that honors you, that lifts you up, that glorifies you? Help us to do that. We desire that. We want that. But we need your help to do that. If there's some steps that we need to take today, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the honesty to take those steps to prepare our hearts, to, to make sure that the soil is good and ready. And God, for those of us that have received your word, I, I, I pray that, that you would help us take action, that we would be not just listeners and hearers of your word, but God, we would put it into practice in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for it. It's in your name we pray. We together say amen. Amen. Let me just uh, talk to one more group of people. You're here today, and you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, and this message is like, ah, I don't really quite get this. Let me just really in two minutes break it down for you. Um, myself, everyone in this room, everyone on earth, the Bible says we have a sin problem. Because sin separates us from a relationship with God. But God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live a sinless life and to die a death in our place for our sin. And um, he did that so we could have a relationship with God, so we could experience forgiveness and grace and a, uh, a new way of living through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And you can make a decision to follow him today. Um, you can be a good person and end up in hell. Be a great neighbor, a wonderful spouse, a loving parent, an obedient child, uh, an amazing boss, a faithful employee, a wonderful citizen, and you can end up in hell. The only thing that, well, I'm glad I came to church today, Jeff. Thank you. Um, but I want you to know the truth that none of us are good enough to end up in heaven. None of us are good enough to earn God's favor and His grace and His forgiveness. That only comes through what Jesus did. And, uh, and so if you're here today and you're just like, you know what, I, I, I need to make that decision to follow Jesus, I'd just like to lead you in this prayer. You make these words your own. But you can turn your life over to him and start a relationship with him today that will make the difference in your life. Will life be perfect? No. Will you have all the answers to everything? No. But you'll have someone with you that will never leave you or forsake you. So let, just you make these words your own. God, I love you. And uh, I thank you so much for sending Jesus to come and to die for my sins. Jesus, I believe who you are. I believe you came and you lived a sinless life and died on a cross and rose to life on the third day for me. And I'm asking for your forgiveness and your grace right now. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. And I want to live for you from this moment on. In Jesus' name I ask this. Thank you for sending Jesus. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let me challenge you this way as we leave, as we dismiss. Would this be the week where we take care of not just our physical heart, which many of us do. We take medicine, we watch what we eat, we exercise. Some of us have had surgeries, some of us have had procedures to make this thing strong and to help it do what God designed and created it to do. But could this be the week where we, we also pay attention to our spiritual heart? So that when God's word comes in, when we read it, when we listen to it, when we hear it, that we're ready to receive it, and it, it, it produces the harvest that God has promised it will produce in our lives. So whatever that needs to be,
done things together and watch God allow food to be produced in a way that honors him. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.